0: I noted it this morning. Tonight, I want to introduce a series of sermons on the important doctrine that we encounter in much of our reading of the Bible. It's the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Uh, when you stop and think about this, the gift of the Holy Spirit, believers are, by God's grace, indwelt. By the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. Have you ever thought about what a gift that is from God and how incredible that is? God's Word helps us understand. In case you've never thought about it, God's Word helps us understand what a wonderful gift this is. And I want you to see that in these uh, studies together as we think about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. What What an incredible gift. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've been given the Holy Spirit of God. Do you realize that's for your good? Have you ever felt like maybe it wasn't for your good? When you've experienced conviction? When you've experienced... Times when you wanted to do something that later you realized was totally of the old nature, totally of the flesh, and you sensed the Spirit convicting you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit, and that is for your good. The Holy Spirit's work in you is for your good. And of all the gifts that God has given you, I would argue that the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is one of the greatest gifts that you can experience this side of heaven. And yet, and yet we don't often think about the work that the Holy Spirit does in us, do we? We don't often think about this. How many, when was the last time you thanked God in prayer for his indwelling presence I had to stop and think about it. As I was thinking about that this week, it's like, I think I'm guilty of not doing that very often, not thanking God for filling me with Himself. What an incredible gift. We can't see Him. I think it's the, the problem is we can't see Him and we can't feel Him, and so we tend to forget that we have the Holy Spirit working in us if we've submitted our life to Christ and trusted in Christ for salvation from, from sins. We have the Holy Spirit. That ought to overwhelm us and encourage us greatly. Jesus says this in John 16, 7. Even though we can't see the Holy Spirit, we have this from God's Word to assure us that we have the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. In other words, pay attention to this. This is important. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper... That's the Holy Spirit. The Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send Him to you. So how is it to the believer's advantage to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God? How is it for our good to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit? That's what we're going to explore in the coming weeks in this series. So I hope you will look forward to these studies together and think about what a gift this is that you have the Holy Spirit if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And I would suggest that one of the greatest gifts that we, we receive from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is the ability to change. The ability to not stay dead in our sins. The, the ability to not stay like we were before we knew Christ the ability to not stay stuck with the old nature. We now have a new nature, and with the Holy Spirit's help, we now have the ability to change in ways that honor the Lord. And I hope, I don't care how old you are, I hope you're still changing. Because I'm pretty sure this side of heaven, you're not perfect yet. And just speaking for myself, I'm not perfect yet, and I need the Holy Spirit's help, and I want the Holy Spirit's help, and I hope you want and long for the Holy Spirit's help to help you change. And that is an incredible gift we have from the Holy Spirit, the ability to change, that we are not dead in our sins and our trespasses any longer. We're alive in Christ, and now we have God dwelling in us through His indwelling presence through the Holy Spirit, enabling us to change. And that is for our good. You may not like change. <laughs> you like change? You, you might say in August, like, like the guys working outside the last couple of weeks, you can't wait for fall, right? Wait, wait for cooler weather? No, maybe not. But, you, but when it's almost 90 degrees and the humidity is like 90 degrees, you, you're thinking, man, it would be nice if it was more like 65 degrees and 60% humidity. That's the kind of change we're okay with change in our lives we don't often embrace but the holy spirit is about that the holy spirit's working in you to change you for your good and for his glory change in the believer's life that that honors god brings glory to god to those who watch you to those who are paying attention to your life to those who work with you or live with you or live around you or near you or do business with you. When the Holy Spirit is changing you, that's a powerful testimony of the work of God in you. And that glorifies God. And that change is good for us. We need to be careful that we don't resist the Holy Spirit and resist the change that He wants to bring. And that's a reminder for us of where our motives should be In wanting to change. Have you ever had something in your life you wanted to change? (laughs) I just want to change that. I want to be different about that. I want to think different about that. I want to do this different. I want to be done with that temptation. Why? Why do you want to do that? I would suggest that God's Word instructs us that we ought to want to do that to glorify God. That ought to be our highest motive. But often it's not our highest motive. Often our highest motive is for our comfort. Or maybe we've met some sort of resistance or difficulty or hardship and we see that it's because of something that we do that we want to change and so we want to change so we don't have that hardship anymore but have you ever thought about wanting to change for God's glory and the Holy Spirit is all about that and helping you do that at the heart of God's desires that we desire to glorify him with the way that we live that we desire that we want to please him and that we bring great honor and glory to Him with the way that we live, with the way that we change. So tonight I want to begin to look at what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. And there are several truths that we can find and mine the depths of in God's Word, and we're just going to look at one of them tonight. And I'll save the others for the coming weeks. But tonight I want to just look at one of these Even though there are several truths that in the coming weeks we're going to look at, I think it does us good to slow down and take a look at what the Word says. And I think as we examine these truths, I think you're going to be encouraged. I hope you're going to be encouraged. I want to challenge you to seek to be encouraged with these truths. Seek to apply these truths to your life so that God can do the work in you that He intends to do because you're submitting to Him. And that is for your good. So yes, the moment you trust in Jesus as Savior, God the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. And I hope that each of you has placed your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because if you have, you have the Holy Spirit right now. You have the Holy Spirit. And with God the Holy Spirit indwelling indwelling you, I want you to see from the Bible and understand and remember and be encouraged and strengthened by an understanding of the Holy Spirit's work in you. Because often we don't give enough attention to what the Holy Spirit is all about and what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of the believer. So take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And here's the first truth from the Bible I want you to deal with and I want you to learn to deal with. And this is necessary, absolutely necessary for us to grapple with. This first truth, we're going to explore this tonight, and we'll see this in the passage before us. But here's the truth, and then I'll read the passage. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You read that in God's Word, and you may know that truth. But I want you to think about that truth. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit if you are a child of God. If you're a believer in Jesus, that's true of you. You are the Holy Spirit temple. So look at verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. And follow along as I read, I'll read through verse 20, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version tonight. So uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything, and just pause right there for a moment. We're being cued into that that note I sounded a moment ago—the ability to change, because you have the Holy Spirit, and and we see that pointed to here. I will not be dominated by anything. How that might might cause you to say, "How? How? Well, let's keep reading." Food is meant for the stomach, and stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and make them the members of a prostitute. Never, or do you not know, that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her. her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Note that. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him verse 18 flee from sexual immorality every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body and now i want you to look at verses 19 and 20 where uh, we're going to focus tonight this is the focus of our study tonight in the context of this passage just think about this for a moment in the context of what I just read, Paul is exhorting the Christians in Corinth to flee from sexual immorality. It's really clear, isn't it, in that passage I just read. Flee sexual immorality. Now verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? That's why we say... and. And this is not the only place we see this in God's Word. This is why we say the Holy Spirit indwells the believer, is living in you. We see it here. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And I can go back to a few moments ago when I said, God wants you to want to glorify Him with your life. And here we have a powerful reminder of that truth right here before us. So glorify God in your body. Why? Because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when does a believer in Jesus become a temple of the Holy Spirit? At the moment you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a temple of the Holy Spirit the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Paul points to it when he says in verse 20, saying, "For you were bought with a price. That price was the sacrifice of God the Son, and you become a temple of the Holy Spirit the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And in that moment, the indwelling of God's Spirit takes place. God the Spirit takes up residence in you. Note the words in verse 19 again, within you, within you. Do you have a hard time understanding that? I do. It's like, how does that work? I'm going to trust God with that. Because the Bible doesn't break down how that works. It just says it's true. I'm okay with that. When I read God's Word and I find things that are true that I, in my humanity, have a hard time rectifying, it's like, I'm just going to trust God with that because He's the Creator and I'm not. The Holy Spirit dwells within you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You have been bought with a price Here's what 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, "...knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You were bought with a price, ransomed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ." And this is no earthly price by which you were redeemed. The price was the precious blood of Jesus. So again, as Paul argues, since your body is God's temple, since you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Glorify God. Note that what we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians 6 and those verses that we're looking at 19 and 20 does not lead us to believe that our bodies are simply it's just simply a container for the holy spirit simply a home a dwelling place a house it doesn't use terms like home or house it doesn't use a term like residence i've noticed that when houses go up for sale these days it says home for sale have you noticed that a little a little marketing trick it's a home <laughs> We want to think of home being where we love to be, right? But that kind of language isn't in this passage when it talks about your body being the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice the the kind of language that's there? Look at it again, knowing that you were ransomed. I'm sorry, that was 1 Peter. Look at, um, well, here we are. Look at verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a... What's the word? In the ESV it says temple. Do you not know that your body is a... doesn't say home. doesn't say dwelling place. It says temple. The word used here, temple, is important. God is communicating to you the idea that your body is a sacred place. It's His sacred dwelling place in which the Spirit not only lives, but is also to be honored, to be respected. And so how we behave, how we think, going back to our thoughts this morning in the text of Philippians 4.8, how we think is important. How we speak is important. How we behave, what we let into the temple through our eyes and ears is important as well. And though you likely don't want me to go here, what we put through our mouths is important. Because I mean, we can overdo it, right? And put too much of the wrong thing into our mouths, All of those things are important. This goes back to what we saw in Philippians 4 this morning about learning to think biblically. Learning to think the truth. Think the way God thinks. You can only think the way God thinks if you go to His Word. And you're transformed by the truth. So, as we think about this, our bodies being a temple, a sacred place, not just a sacred place for God to reside, but for Him to be honored. We've got to think about how we do that. What we do with our bodies, how we live, how we speak, how we think is important to God. He cares about that, and we ought to care about that. Note also that God will never leave you. God will never leave you. And this is an important thought because we can be guilty of grieving the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures tell us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve, says Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You're you're God's chosen possession if you've trusted in Christ. You are His. You are sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is not going to leave you. But you can grieve Him by ignoring the truth by resisting the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. So how do we keep from grieving the Holy Spirit? Well, instructing the Ephesian believers to not grieve the Spirit of God, Paul goes on to tell them this, and this is for us. Listen to verse 31 in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, verse 31 is a pretty good contrast to where we were in Philippians 4.8 this morning, don't you think? Philippians 4.8 is telling you, these are the things that you're to think on. Ephesians 4 and verse 31 is saying, these are the things you should not think on. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And then verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If you gravitate toward verse 31, being bitter and wrathful and angry and clamorous and slanderous, if you're a malicious person, you are going to grieve the Holy Spirit, but if you do, as verse thirty-two says, and if you do, as Philippians four eight says, you are going to be a believer who pleases the Holy Spirit. We also have this in Galatians five sixteen. We also hear that with the indwelling presence of God, the Holy Spirit, we are to walk by the Spirit. Have you ever thought about that? What is walking by the Spirit? Listen to This verse, Galatians 5 and verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the idea here is that if you are walking in obedience, if you're training your life with the truth of God's Word, training your thought life and the things that flow from the way you think to honor God. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will be learning to put off the sinful desires of the flesh and to put on godly obedience. So when we think of what it means to walk by the Spirit, we just need to think about it this way. It means to daily, by, moment by moment, seek to live lives that honor God, that glorify God. Lives that are holy. Lives that are of upright conduct, that are pleasing to the Lord. And that can only happen as you constantly, uh, consciously choose, by faith, to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you in thought, in word, and deed. The Holy Spirit indwells you to guide your thoughts. To help you think right, you need to get the Word of God in. Remember this morning I said, thinking right is not a passive thing. It's not just going to happen. You need to train yourself to think right. But as you take in God's Word to train your thinking, the Holy Spirit comes along to help you because God is all about that. He wants you to think right. And so as you take in the truth, He will help you as you consciously Choose to take steps of obedience, to obey God's Word as hard as it may be at times. To take a step of obedience, the Holy Spirit is there to help you along the way because God is all about helping you do that in obedience to Him. We also hear this in Romans chapter 6. Listen to verses 11 through 14. If you want to go there and look at these verses, these are important. Romans 6, beginning in verse 11. How do we consciously choose by faith to rely on the help of the Holy Spirit? Romans 6, verses 11 through 14 instructs the believer in Christ this way, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That tells you that you have the ability to change. Change. You have the ability to obey with God's help because you are alive in Christ Jesus. So consider yourself dead to sin. You do not have to be controlled by your temptations any longer. You don't have to be controlled by sin. You have the Lord Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit of God. So verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. One of the major reasons sin does not have dominion over you, the shed blood of Jesus Christ paid for your sins, and then the Holy Spirit comes and fills you and gives you the ability, when you trust Him, when you take steps of obedience to say no to temptation, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace, says verse 14. But I warn you, when we fail to rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance uh, from the wisdom of God's Word, the result is that as believers we don't live up to all that God makes possible by the way of the Word and the Holy Spirit. We don't live up to it. We choose not to. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says in Philippians 1 and verse 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You might wonder, how can I know if I'm walking by the Spirit? How can I know I'm not grieving the Spirit? How can I know that I'm walking in the Spirit? I would suggest that you examine your life. The Bible teaches you to do this. Examine yourself. Examine to see that you are in the faith, that you are growing in obedience to God's Word. And one of the ways that you can do this is Look at your own life for fruit. You can be a a fruit inspector in your own life. Galatians 5 and verses 22 and 23 points to this saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and you know this, right? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and who in this room has those all perfectly mastered, right? None none of us. When you read a list like that, do you feel a little bit of guilt. But it's good to examine the truth of God's Word and say, How am I doing, Lord? Bring conviction into my life where I'm failing you, where I'm grieving your spirit. Help me to see where I need to be more obedient to you. And so being filled with the Spirit or walking with the Spirit is the same as pouring the Bible into your life and taking steps to obey it, to hide God's Word in your heart so you might not sin against Him. And I'll go back to a passage I shared this morning, Colossians 3.16. It's such an important passage reminding us of the necessity of God's Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Let the Word of Christ, or maybe a better word would be, make the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Get into the Word. As, as, God, as God takes the Word and uses it in you, He'll work the Word out through, through your life, through your speech, through your conduct. So let's remember always, Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ? If you would say yes to that, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be a place that's fit to dwell in, a place that honors and glorifies Him. Let's remember that always. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the indwelling, it's an incredible gift from God, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that makes your body His temple. And I would suggest that with this reminder tonight, that you think about this this week, asking God to help you remember this, asking God to help bring this back to your thinking this week. God, remind me that you indwell me that I'm your temple, that I'm, a, I'm to be a place that honors and glorifies you. Ask God to help you remember this when you're tempted to sin. Ask God to help you. I'm not saying wait till you're tempted to sin and then sin and then ask God. I'm saying ask God now to help you remember this when you're tempted to sin that God dwells in you by way of the Holy Spirit. And He is enabling you when you take steps of obedience to change and become more Christ-like and obedient to His Word. Ask God to help you remember this when you're tempted to think the wrong thoughts, untrue things, things that oppose God's Word. Ask God to help you remember this when you're tempted to say the wrong thing or maybe say the right thing in the wrong way. Ask God to help you remember this when you're trying to change something you consider a bad habit. Ask God to help you remember that you're His temple and that your highest desire ought to be to please God and glorify God and make much of the Lord Jesus Christ in the eyes of those who observe the change in your life. Why do you want to say no to sin? I hope you do want to say no to sin. Why? Why? So you can experience more comfort and joy. Well, those things are there for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. But ask God to make your desire to be glorifying Him with your life, to making much of Him with the way that you live. Is your desire to glorify God? Is your desire to magnify Christ? I would suggest that it ought to be. You ought to seek to make it so. Ask God to make it so. Why? Why? Because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. These words from the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, I think are appropriate. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let Thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my Wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But can we say this? Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That's a wonderful, wonderful truth. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is just the first of several truths that we're going to examine about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. But I think that lesson is important for us to put first. And I think we can use that truth this week to bring glory to God as we think about that incredible gift that we have in the Holy Spirit and the fact that you're a temple of God. And we've to live like it.